Well, yeah, and yeah. it's it's human psychology to want to kind of be in the group, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. And so if you're not telling people like you should be fucking into this, then they're kind of like, do I trust myself? Does is everybody else on board for this? Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, thanks so much for being here. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Oh my God. Does anybody need a beer or soda? I didn't ask. Are we okay? I'll get a soda if uh, that's all right. You're going to make him get up. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take a soda. Since you're up, I'll take a soda as well. Thank you. That's fine. Why is that? Because he mentioned updating his... His drops or whatever. I'm like, I would highly suggest the. There you go. Yeah. Oh, the losing horns. Yeah. There it is. <sighs> Product placement just have to be turned away, kind of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I feel like that intro was really good, and I'm just gonna leave it. Yeah. You know. So. Anyways, I'm sitting here today <laughs> with three thirds of rock and rolling, punk rocking, whatever you want to call it, grunging. Living life, chilling, killing, blood spilling. Action camp, make some noise for the internet, my friends. <laughs> so for those of you that do not know Action Camp, why don't we do a quick little roundtable introduction, starting with Joe. I'm Joe Tarowski, and I play the drums. Boom, boom, boom. I'm Maura Jacob, and I'm the lead vocalist and bass player. Boom, boom, boom. I'm Banked Alexander, and I play guitar. Excellent. There we go. Cool. All right. So, how long has Action Camp been a band? Let's just get this get the bullshit questions out of the way real quick. Fourteen years. Maybe fourteen years on the tenth. On the tenth. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's a long time. That's a very long time. It's a very long time. Yeah. I think. Uh, well, I just turned twenty-one when we started. Yeah. yeah. So now you can guess how old I am, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. But yeah. So it's weird. The running joke has always been it started as just the two of us, uh, Ben and myself. And uh, the running joke is that he's my longest relationship I've ever had. But it is not romantic in any way for all of you out there who think that we're either siblings or married. um, That's not true. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Joe joined us four years ago at this point, I believe. Yep. Super cool. Your odds in the le- or your your percentage of the legacy of the band like grows. Yeah. You're like a solid third in of the band. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so why did why did you why did it take you uh, a decade to decide to abandon backtracks and go with a live drummer? <laughs> well, we technically had two drummers before. Oh, really? Very okay. very briefly. Super briefly. But it was it was um, partially maybe personality conflicts, but also we moved to Pittsburgh from Boston. And we were the ones willing to move. And it's much easier to tour with just two people. Let's hop in our, uh, uh, what was it? What was the first car? The Kia Soul. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Kia mm-hmm. Soul. For, I mean, we used to get zip cars. We tour with zip cars. Uh, in so just not New England, where everything yeah. is very close to one another. Yeah. Not so much <laughs> once we were here. But yeah, zip cars when they were first a thing yeah. or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so, now... We have some new music coming out a whole 14 years later. Let's talk a bit about that because I think that's why we're here today to promo the new shit. What's it's shaking? True. It's true. What do you want to... Well, we've got a single 
Because this is a leap year, of course. So we're taking advantage of that extra day at the end of this month. Uh, we, we weren't going to have time this year otherwise. Yes. <laughs> we have to wait another four years for this thing to come out. Yeah. Um, it will be uh, out uh, on the 29th concurrently with our Skillshare event that is sort of taking place of a more conventional like release show where you know, bands get up and play. Instead, uh, we're going to bring some folks together and sort of share what we do and kind of kind of kind of a conference almost i guess sort of yeah <laughs> well for d- different folks that turn up with different skills and talk about what they do um i don't know if we can like say who's going to be there yet but there'll be folks talking about, like midi and <laughs> you know this this guy will it's, be like, pro- it's yeah. been announced yeah. hasn't it it yeah. has yeah. yeah so you, we could talk about it okay. <laughs> <laughs> i i appreciate your uh you know, trying to be aware of like what wins released when and like all that stuff. But yeah, it's out in the I'm world. S- I'm still new. So. <laughs> That's only going to work for so long, Joe. Four years. Four years. And Four you can years. vote me out now. Um, <laughs> no, we're ex- you have to kindergarten next year. We're excited to do the release. <laughs> the release is actually sort of inspired by our name. Uh, so Action Camp came about um, like most band names as like a placeholder um, that then became the name. Um, but when we started in Boston, I was doing a lot more activism, anarchist shit. Boston uh, type time. shit. Yeah, Boston type shit, you know. Yeah. And so my friends and I would put together action camps that were about sharing skills but they were you know things like how do you make wheat paste and like you know shit like that um so (laughs) but anyway so we thought hey we'll do something more in the vein of what we do now which is music oriented but what's nice about skillshares is that even though we're gonna have a number of people like yourself as well as um like allison from of music in mind or I always flip them in my brain Kyvos. and and all that stuff. Um, it's also sort of about like, we all have knowledge, we all have experience. And so, you know, we'll have folks kind of lead that conversation, but the idea is that we'll all gain something by people who attend as well as the people who are kind of like the special guests, you know? Um, so because even novices will end up having, unique experiences here in the scene that I don't know anything about or like playing venues I've never played or, you know, so everyone has something worthy of contributing and I'm excited at the idea of bringing a lot of different people together in the room so that we can kind of just compare notes in a way, you know, yeah, you'd love to do it at a show, but then it never really like works out because you always have 20 different things you're supposed to be doing at a show. Yeah. Um, And so this is sort of a much more relaxed environment in which to kind of do that talking shop, I guess, um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, something I've been talking about on the show a lot is the purpose of shows and why people have shows. And, you know, are you having the show for yourself to just flex your ego on stage? Or do you actually Mm -hmm. give a shit about putting together an event for the community and getting people to come out? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, if you're dragging everybody to, you know, uh, Brillo box to watch your band practice, like that's fine, but it's not like, the most effective in the long term. So sure. it's cool to be a part of something like this or just cool that you're doing it at all because in some aspects, it's a lot simpler than playing a show. Right. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot Less more load, effective. And it's, it's more unique. Gives There's a different reason for people to come out and participate in it instead of just like, oh, well, I can go out and 
watch people play music or I could be working on my own stuff. It's like, well, how about I could go learn some skills or just network a bit? Yeah. It's neat. Exactly. Um, and we figured, you know, we'll st- we're still having it at the Moose. We're still having it in a comfortable environment for everyone. And at the end of it, we're going to do, we're still, you're still going to be able to hear some of the new music. We're going to do it listening party style. So over the loud, loud speakers and you everything. Should get, so, you should yeah. get some idiot to put on like one of those dead ma- mouse masks yeah. and like <laughs> DJ just your track. That's uh-huh. it. Yep. Just, yeah. Well, and then just on repeat until everybody leaves. <laughs> and I think part of us getting getting older as a as a band, less less as people, we've just been doing this for so long that it, uh, putting a purpose to shows makes more more and more sense every year. And and it's kind of become like February because it's like the anniversary of the band starting. Almost every February now, we kind of do some special show thing. Like mm-hmm. we did the Death Disc thing last year, which we had talked about forever of covering a bunch of 50s and 60s uh, teen death anthems and making them doom songs. Because uh, <laughs> Leader of the Pack with like stoner metal guitars is like pretty great. Pretty fun. Uh, and so, the two of you affecting yeah. uh, New York accents yeah. to start the whole thing yeah. is also very fun. So you should check that out. <laughs> I just like re- relating that to people so I get to say like the... <laughs> Is that Jimmy's ring you're wearing? Like wearing. I just love saying wearing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. With the band now, obviously, you know, we are a decade and a fair amount of change. <laughs> and, you know, we're talking about age like as as the band grows and I guess as we grow, like you want to find better reasons to do shows and things like that. But like stripping it back even a layer like the reason to even still be in a band like Mm. why why still do this why still play drums or play bass or play guitar and turn your fucking house into a production like why (laughs) why are we still doing this shit yeah ben just lives in a production what is like yeah yeah like like what would be your reason ben for this lifestyle uh it's kind of a joke but uh i I honestly think there is some amount of this that is just a mental illness. Like I'm so no in in the sense that sure. I'm I am so compelled to create and make music that I I don't think I can do much else. And financially I'm so invested in it too. That's <laughs> like it's it's just like a it's a money pit that I'm throwing money into. It's like one of these days this is going to pay off. Sure. <laughs> It's like or, a or or I'll die. It'll be like one or the other. It's like a mild case yeah. of it's that a standoff between you and the whole. Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> a, a mild case of that insanity definition of uh, you know doing the same thing over and over oh, again without it working. Yeah, but, but I, I suppose mean, it's, it's a it's a def, whatever your yeah. definition of working and not it's working still, is. It's still a thing this far on, and with Joe joining the band, it almost reset and felt like a new band. So it's like it's still something I get so much out of that. I think if I stopped feeling that, we would stop. But I don't... It's never really had that lull yet. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a chore ever, so... What about you, Mara? Oh, geez. Uh, Joe? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um... It sounds like maybe fatalistic or something, but music's the only thing I'm good at. It really... and, And that goes back to, like... Being in school, and I was always very tall as a child. People say, You're, you must be so good at sports and basketball. And I was always horrible at it. <laughs> and I didn't have the, I would go to practice, and it's like, I don't think that, I don't feel like putting in the energy to like learn how to play basketball and do well at it. I'm not that passionate about it. But 
I always had a a way with drums, even when I was a kid. Like I had a toy drum kit and I loved it. And Silver Steel. Silver Steel, that's right. I had a silver like for Christmas eighty four, I got this little Ohio art silver steel kit and I demolished it in like six months probably. My Hell parents yeah. had to throw it out. Um like a little Keith Moon. Uh-huh. And uh so I'll be I'll be forty this year. So I'm asking this question a lot of myself, like, why do I still do this? And it's like, I don't know. I don't think there's anything else I'd rather be doing. Um, especially joining this band because they're already very disciplined in terms of their approach to like booking shows for a reason and recording and making sure that the recordings go out exactly how everybody wants it to be. And uh, there's no, you know, everything happens in this band for a reason. So at this age playing with action camp's been uh, a a real positive. And like Ben said, I don't ever see a point where I'm just going to ever want to give up music because it's been with me my whole life. So there's a real deep philosophical yeah. answer. You know. I think that it seems like there's a really healthy dynamic with this band. <laughs> and I find that that makes it a lot easier if there isn't some unnecessary drama or just somebody not pulling their weight. You know, if it's a matter where it's easy, it's fun. You're always doing different things. If something gets a little like, eh, well, it's like, well, let's do this little action camp event and right, just, right. uh, keeping it consistent between like being able to record stuff, do fun little events, fun little video stuff. I know that you've been doing, I've been seeing and yeah. keep yourselves occupied. Mm. Mari, you still haven't answered my goddamn okay. question. I'm going to, I'm going to, I, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't going to avoid it entirely. I just kind of wanted to hear Joe's answer first. Um, let's see. Well, an aspect of why I'm still doing it, I guess, is that I see it as so, I see it as so multifaceted. I mean, I really love kind of the <laughs> the math problem that is uh, being a musician in the sense of like, it's not just about the instrumentation. I also write the majority of our lyrics. Um, my background is in voice. And so I think a lot about different dimensions um, in how that can be delivered or written. And then there's all of the business side of it, which shows as fun as they are also business also a job and um so that's all been really interesting and a challenge um i've been a performer since i was a really little kid i would say that that's always been the main motivator for doing any of the other things writing recording anything else is that i just want to go out and perform yes um I don't think of myself as a flashy personality in my social life, but I think that that's also uh, you have a flashy pretty. coat. I know. Hoodie. I like. I still enjoy. I mean, I have all my. Everyone shout here. out to the black hoodie gang right <laughs> now. By the way, I was really wondering yeah. would the the uniform persist because yeah. we always wear a lot of black for shows too. And I was like, yeah. I bet you it's going to happen well, we're on for brand. this too. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, yeah, and even the glitteriness is on brand. I got to stick out. Oh, yeah. I'm the I'm the singer uh-huh. or whatever. So, um, but uh, but yeah, I'm not attention seeking in my day to day life. Um, but I that performer side of me is always there. Um, and it is really hard to kind of pinpoint why per se, but music has always been, I mean, I have a musical family and then um, not to get like real deep or whatever, but I went to Catholic school as a kid and I am not Catholic. Um, and so one of the main things I could do every Friday in church was be in the choir. And so that kind of became like my first intro into learning how to read music and to perform regularly and to kind of feel a part of things 
was to do that in church. And so, and I met a lot of vocalists, but musicians in general that all started in church in one way or another, which is also interesting. And everyone's relationship to it is really different. And, and that's my relationship to it is that was sort of my way of being able to be a part of things and to like learn more about that side of my life that wasn't really my home life. It was only there, you know? Um, so that started things, I guess, but it was, uh, yeah, I hope that helps. Definitely. It's just, it's just been, it's been (laughs) in you for a long time. It seems like that's the common thread again with the three of you, just like growing up with music. We're all children of the eighties slash nineties, kind of teenagers of the nineties, children of the eighties, however you want to put it. Um, and but one thing that you had just touched on briefly, Mara, yes, was the business side of things, mm-hmm. which none of us grew up wanting to do accounting and all of these things like that. <laughs> Definitely <But> not. <laughs> as uh, as the regardless, even if you're just a band that's like you know tri-state here and there playing shows, whatever, like you still gotta take it kind of seriously in order for it to be seriously from a business perspective, in order for it to be functional. Right. So how have you all adapted in your personal lives to the business aspect of music and not not had it like ruin you? Well, we still share. We do split up sort of everybody has their area. Like I am a copy editor by trade, so I will compose slash edit a lot of like our promotional materials, like any of the materials that are online for this show, like on our Facebook for for the Skillshare. I kind of made sure there were no typos and things like that. That's just one thing, but also that uh, it's English. I mean, I feel like the way they start are not complete sentences. You, uh, you finish those out. I times. try I'll do my best. <laughs> I should. Um, but I mean, that's, that's like the one thing that I do when it comes to like the more non-musical side. And of course, Ben done so much with the video and of course, just the production of the music. And I mean, you can all claim what you want to do. I won't speak for you, but uh, <laughs> I do a lot of the visuals. Yes. That's not, been covered yet um <laughs> and we all do some of the engineering for recording and things like that i will say uh this has all been a learning process um we all get along fairly well and have learned how to you know share responsibilities and all those sorts of things but uh it hasn't always been that way and i'm proud of well, us you're still for kind human of, beings well right but i'm also <laughs> proud of us for for getting to where we are because sometimes i think about what things were like four, ten, however many years ago sure. and it is not that um and there were times where i were talking about the money pit i was like yeah. the, the pit is going to eat me yeah. i like i <laughs> i don't have anything left to give to this because i did not plan um and this is um, precarious, I guess. Um, uh, sure. but, <laughs> but yeah, we've gotten a lot better over time. And, um, I think Ben would agree that one of the big things we talk about in terms of what makes it work is really just communication, communication, communication. Um, so, yeah, I feel like early on we, we have, we really had the advantage of because we were primarily a duo, there was no, what what I felt in other bands is you can sometimes have a bit of a clickiness, um, like your bass player and your drummer might get along, or, or, <laughs> yeah, whatever, sure, or, sure. or they have something that they bond over, or whatever. And and growing up, Smoking as weed. as well, well, yeah, and, and just growing yeah. up in as like a teenager <laughs> in bands, like you don't communicate, but when you're in a duo, like there's kind of no, you don't have a choice. Like you have to talk to each other when you're on tour. You both have to sit in the front seat. You mm-hmm. have to talk to the driver because they. 
uh, can't fall asleep and like whatever. Um, so we, we, we had like a really healthy thing with that. And then when we added Joe and it like kind of, uh, it just worked its way out better. It's kind of stretched out to this three way. He's like fire. She's like ice. Yeah. And I'm lukewarm water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a very, and I, and I've, I've, Said this to I do think and, it's been helpful to have a third member yeah. even as a buffer sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I've said this to, to Moore's face before too, but I do, I, 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 I'm going to make her blush maybe, but like I got. When you preface something, I've said this to your face, that makes me feel real good about whatever's about to no. happen next. No, but like um, honestly, I, and I, cause I was just home uh, and was catching up with the friends and, and, uh, was saying like honestly the the most I've gotten out of this band was just like <laughs> learning how to how to communicate like specifically with the opposite sex but also just in general and I owe that like completely to more of just like no it's been years of like oh no no I know how to talk to like <laughs> <laughs> to actually talk to someone and like consider feelings and and primarily and because a lot of times I'm like I can't keep stuff. working until yeah. we talk about this like yeah. I, I refuse <laughs> right which is, so. is honestly good like we we have a super healthy relationship as a band like but we still like occasionally scream at each other and have sure. arguments or whatever it's like it's healthy you're still human uh, mm-hmm. well just today I actually somebody posted on the internet the whole Beatles when they were breaking up and the studio was like a whole like hour long thing of like have them arguing. And I was just like, well, that's just band practice. Like, uh, and, yeah. and, 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 and I mean, and I've been in other projects where it's like an unhealthy amount of just, you know, but uh, no, I think you, you don't enter into a band relationship, which is, it is, it's a creative you know, you put your time into something with other people. You have that band relationship. And oh yeah, you're gonna disagree, and I mean, you have to learn how to to disagree. In I a mean, way. I I fully believe, and this is nothing against like anybody that I've ever been with or am with romantically. Hi, Stacy. Um, <laughs> but there's just something with like making music with people where like the amount of passion that's going into it, while it may not be romantic, it's just like there, there's so much emotion mm. that I put into like what I do musically that like when you're doing that with other people and like other people are trying to bring in their ideas into your thing and it's all coming together and it's like this big thing. It's just, it means so much to me. It's just like, and it's cool. It's, oh, just the pure, the pure vulnerability of it because mm-hmm. you're, you're, you have to learn to to spitball ideas with people in a room that's like it's not necessarily judge free but you have to you have to feel comfortable like what well, is this the thing i don't know like you can say you have to be able to say something stupid like you have to get over that hump of it's like creative stuff so you have to throw out the bad ideas and just like see what what hits yeah and that's like, one of those things know, at the end you have this like yeah. this crazy beautiful thing that like right. you and other people made together and it's just like that feeling that you get from that, like a byproduct of it is just like, yeah, you're in a relationship with other people. And if something goes wrong, like someone's being shitty or someone shows up late or someone cancels on a thing, it's just like, fuck, it's not like, it's like, I don't, it's like um, maybe something bad happened to you. I don't know, but it's like, fuck, like I really want to get this fucking song done. I want to work on this thing. And I'm all all like, you know, it's like a, some sort of like a, I don't know the right way to put it, but you probably all know the feeling yeah. that we're talking about. And I think, sure. well, I think it's just like you invest so yeah. much into it that it becomes like, you just become so tied in with the other people. And if you do it right too, I think that process in itself is, is, is beneficial to the longevity of a band because like 
if if you're will if if you're able to throw out your bad ideas to your bandmates and they reject it and you can just move past it and still come up with something i think as a core you all build up like oh, a, yeah. a tough skin to to criticism on the outside so then when you all finally put out the song that you all agreed on and someone doesn't like it it you doesn't like destroy you it's yeah. like well we internally we market research this and this is the best we'll do <laughs> and we think it's pretty good uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so. uh-huh. it all takes and, and the so, blame not any one person and, well and and just to the the quicker I feel like you understand that like you're and I, I might have even said this the last time I talked to you, so I apologize if I repeat myself, but like the um the quicker you understand that what you're doing is not for everyone, the better off you are. Like it's sure. okay for people to be kinda eh about what you do and people to actively hate what you do. Cause someone's going to love it. But like, if you go into anything, like I'm making this song for the world, like you're, you're an insane person. Sure. (laughs) This also makes me think about how I feel like one of the things I learned a few years in was just like, don't apologize for yourself either. I, I see bands go up and kind of like be sheepish about their work or, you know, kind of be like, thanks for listening to us. I really appreciate it. And a part of me is like, you're telling people how to respond to your work, you know, and if this is how you feel about your work, or if you feel that some part of you has to apologize for your work, you're making the audience almost feel Uh, bad about liking (laughs) your work. I mean, Um, you don't have to be, you don't have to be a dick about it, but like you definitely don't have to go up there and just be like, I mean, I guess if you want to listen to, you know, you should be excited about what you make. And so sometimes that's a result of, not everybody has really gotten on board with this song, yeah. but sometimes people really are on board and I, I'm like, be excited about what you did. Cause mm-hmm. that's a lot. There's of a, uh, there's a certain amount of ego that has been lost. And I think that that was the death of rock and roll <laughs> was when, when ego left rock and roll and it, what, there's so much more ego and attitude in pop music now. That's true. And that's why that's, I fully believe that that's the main reason why that music is, on the top now. I don't think people don't like guitars or mm-hmm. guitar-driven music. It's just there's no fucking attitude in it. So people are like, what lot, is this? There's nothing lot, like- it's a lot of artifice. Well, yeah, and it's, it's human psychology to want to kind of be in the group, right? You yeah, know? yeah. And so if, again, if you're not telling people like, you should be fucking into this, then they're kind of like, do I trust myself? Does, is everybody else on board for this? You know, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, without having that, at least the persona of ego, even if you internally don't feel that way, but if you can't like projects, it doesn't have to be like a, a verbal ego, No, but it could just be a thing where like watching a band play on stage and they're having a good time and you could tell they're really into what they're doing. It's going to be like, Oh shit. Right. Versus like, these people don't even look like like they want to be here. Show that you love what you do. Right. And that was actually, that's funny because I feel like in our earliest days and continuing now, we were joking about all of us in our black and everything, but we pretty early on decided we're going to come to shows. It's not necessarily going to be a uniform, but we're not going to come to shows with the clothes that we've been wearing for the last 15 hours or whatever, because we're here to play and we're so excited to be here. And this is not the rest of my day. This is not just how I'm going to finish my Thursday. This is an exciting thing. And I feel like that was an extension of this. I like what I do. I want this moment to be special for me. I want this moment to be special for you. Um, What I love about performance, it's ephemeral, like it's only happening right now and that's it. 
Um, and so when people roll in and then that continue, I don't care what you look like, but when that continues in like your overall demeanor and everything else, a part of me is just sort of like, why did I come here? You know, like sure. you're not you're going to something like, to do to that. Be, yeah. To be like blunt about it. Yeah. You are a salesperson on that stage. And now I'll say like, I'm saying, I don't, this is actually my first interview I've done like with this band and I'm a little nervous, you know, <laughs> it's just the way it is. I'm not, nothing, he's doing anything wrong, but um, we're watching him really closely. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to yeah. tell him everything that happened. Afterwards, afterwards we're going to have an argument outside. Yeah. Yeah. You said this thing. Uh-huh. But, um, Don't talk about 9-11. Don't talk about 9-11. <laughs> but we, we worked. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. We worked really. I won't. Henry Rollins had this thing. It's like, don't just work hard, but work smart. And yeah. in this band, I'd like to think that we work smart, work hard and work smart. But I know that when we go on the stage, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, great drummer or anything. But when I'm on stage with this band, I know that nobody can do in the function of this band what I am doing. I've put the time into it. I own it. And I'm awfully good at it. And I will stand here. I'm not bragging. (laughs) I'm not bragging. I'll say that. I, I think I'm awfully good at it. But the rest is up to the audience to judge. But knowing then if you took any one of us out, it wouldn't be the same. Sure. So when we go on stage... You know, the sound is what the three of us do, and I have no shame in that, and I, it's what we're there to do. And, yeah, I, Hell it's yeah. one thing I feel really confident about yeah. every time. We're selling that there's a very delicate chemistry between the three of us, and that's... Because nobody plays guitar super, like you. No. Nobody plays bass and sings like you. Yeah. And in this band, nobody drums like me. So that's what yeah. makes you special. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, this goes back to when you were talking, Ben, about, um, like working with other people and how not having like people not liking ideas that are brought to the table or, uh, you know, not being able to connect with your band members. It's just like, I had this thought in my head when you were talking about that, about why would you even want to be in a band with someone whose ideas you don't trust? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, cause I, my, my day job, like I run the sound, so all I do is work with bands. Yeah, that was and another, I, and I was going to loop around to this. Yeah. And I, and I see that all, the time it's it's like seeing someone in a in a a poor relationship or sure something. like it, there really is parallels to it where i can tell if i watch like a five-piece band or whatever that the bass player is not really into this they maybe don't like you can kind of see the dynamic like you can see the matrix of a band like i'm to the point i can i can watch a band like oh these three have chemistry and these two are just kind of villains or either hangers on or whatever and yeah that's that's a very foreign thing to me it's a weird like i feel like some bands just you settle for someone that's not right i think we're very fortunate that we've found like and even then this was like like you know it was it was tiered where more and i found someone to work with that worked for 10 years and then joe had to had to play queen songs with us for six months (laughs) And then we're like, hey, I think that guy can roll with us. Well, the first, it's a good, it's a good test. <laughs> it's the, yeah. Anyone yeah. out there who yeah. really wants to put someone through the ringer and yeah. figure out, make well, them the, do Queen. The very first time yeah. that you came over to my house because we, yeah, we, because oh, you know, I, I'll drum for your Queen set. Yeah, and Ben came over to my house and we and Queen does this version of We Will Rock You. That's actually like a punk version, and it's like if everybody knows like the the famous single, but we uh, he said, okay, mate, let, let's do this punk version of We Will Rock You. 
and we did it. And it's like he's playing all like the details. Yeah. And I've listened to that song and since he I was had a kid. All the details. All the details. Yeah. It was like, oh, like I feel that was like the I'm thing. Going- that was the thing I noticed immediately. It's like, oh no, no, because because we've done it was it was for Tribute Fest, which yeah. is a thing I used to book. Um, Halloween sets and character, etc. Um, oftentimes you you show up to a, which is also just like. It's the same thing of like feeling, figuring out how other musicians communicate with each other. It's very fascinating to me to walk into someone else's band or 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 just with another musician, see how they understand these things. Because most of the tribute sets, because we're a duo, we didn't do well. All of them, we didn't do just the two of us. Right. So um, we would always, so we would always be yeah. like. <laughs> essentially we were the auxiliary members of someone else's right. band a lot of the time. <laughs> well, yeah, we, did, we did like a Portishead one. And there was like seven people pulled from all different bands and it was like a little chaotic mm-hmm. uh but you're right you get a kind of a, but you walk, a glimpse into other but, but like something dynamics. like you usually like the process with that when you walk in and everyone kind of knows the songs kind of knows the parts and so it's this like slow build to get up to that and like i remember that first day with joe like we did that song I'm like oh no no, he knows every single drum fill and stuff already this is gonna be fine like because yeah. we'll <laughs> <laughs> usually i'm used to to because i'm just a, a weird like very detail specific oh, yeah. overachiever uh, yeah. virgo as Mora has has told me like that's just what it is i'm just okay. really detail oriented uh usually i'm the one that shows all up the astrology way. memes yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm usually the one that shows up over prepared for things and i'm usually the one who has to smooth it over yeah. with the, the rest of the there was band. a good la- there's a good uh <laughs> labyrinth meme today that was all um, labyrinth characters oh okay as them as, one of them as was zodiac signs? as zodiac signs okay. and one of them was jareth's uh package which is pretty funny <laughs> they're like cartoon drives <laughs> <laughs> i was like that's pretty to solid. be clear we're not a, we're not really no. super into memes but yeah. uh i was in grad school the last few years <laughs> and astrology memes for whatever reason yeah. were like soothing at a certain yeah. point okay so like, yeah all right, like the world, the chaos of the world has order again. Yeah. I don't know, like you know, but like <laughs> order and funny correlations. With well, things and like we, that. this but, band, we also yeah. kind of meet on a plane of like Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush to a degree. Yeah, as all, we're all fans of that, and one way or the other. And you're pointing out that their astrological signs, <laughs> as artistic collaborators, like line up perfectly. They're yin and, and yang. Yeah, yin and yang. Perfect. They're six months apart. So yeah. when you hear like Kate Bush and Peter Gabriel do a thing, it's like oh, that's why it's so good. You know. So. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say about, um, no, about, uh, like seeing bands play covers. If it's a song that I know, it's really easy for me to tell if the band actually knows the song or if they're just covering a song. Cause mm-hmm. it's always yeah. like, there's some weird little nuance with a drum fill or some weird little sound that I'll be like, they're, they don't give a shit about this song. Yeah. yeah. But if you get really into it, I have found the tribute sets, uh, pretty beneficial even to the rest of our music in the sense of you push yourself to do things that you oh, don't yeah. normally do. Um, and so if you take it seriously, if you try to figure out how to do all the weird little guitar tricks, or you try to figure out how to change your voice ever so slightly to match the growliness or whatever it is, that's not what you normally do. I found that really helpful when we try to go back and do oh, sure. our own stuff. I don't think we've ever fully integrated any of the bands that we've covered, but I also think very fondly of our last one doing the yeah yeah yeahs because that was the first time that we did it with no other bit because we were three people instead of two was the first time that we did it just as us 
And I, I think I left the stage and I was like, we are a machine. Like, yeah. you know, I felt like so excited because uh, <laughs> I was like, everything is locked into place and we are just doing it. And I was wearing this ridiculous rainbow leotard fringe outfit in order to be carried out. And as, I was running around yeah. and everything. And I was just sort of like, man, like this is the best, you know? And so that was also a good relationship builder too, in that you got to have this fun show be out of character even for your music musician character self you know um and learn some new things and i don't know it was fun team building in a weird way yeah. <laughs> going back to the beginning of the conversation answering the question of why you still do this and answering it for you it just seems like you've all found can been continuing to find ways to just grow and learn and i think and just develop like you're still it's not a thing where it's gotten like stale or i don't feel like any of you feel like you're probably like a whatever like you're always seems like you're consistently challenging yourselves with different little things and just yeah becoming becoming better at what you're doing as as you age like a like a fine wine yeah. or something <laughs> right well there's even um one or two songs because we are we're making an album in the midst of releasing this single and we're still working on um a couple of new tracks but we were kind of talking it's like we're confident about them because we're not going to really have the opportunity to play them out live they're just going to go on the record and and most times you know you play songs out live for a few months regionally locally whatever and you sort of hammer them out and it's like no we're just gonna like put these on the record and they're we stand behind them all the way with even with that and we're just going to put them out into the world that way yeah and uh I don't think I, I haven't done that since like I had my first band in high school when you have a four track or something. So that's like, it feels good to do that, to feel confident. Yeah. In that. So. To be clear, those songs are mixed in with some songs that we've been playing for four years now too. So, you know, it's not, it's not fully, you know, letting everything fly free little bird. You no. know, some of these things have been very well tested. A, we have a weird but, roster. Yeah. Like, it'll, it'll take <laughs> us months to write a song. Like technically it's, we're coming up on five years between the last LP and this one. We've done some other things in between. Yeah. Smaller, smaller releases and stuff. But um, yeah, we'll take literally months to write a song and then we start, we start playing it out live pretty, pretty early on in its process. And then it, it sort of mutates and mutates. And then once we really feel it's locked in, that's when we record it, mm-hmm. um, which, which, behind the scenes we have like three or four songs that are going on this record that we're we're still doing that and still like workshopping them but we're just not doing it to the benefit of playing them out we probably would right. play them out somewhere before we record them if, if we managed to book a show somewhere right ahead ahead of the recording but yeah but yeah this the single that's going to be out on the 29th is a song that was written in the midst of all of the other songs that are going to be on the full length that we all really love but really in the very classic sense of a single just doesn't feel like it fully fits with everything else. And so we wanted it to have a formal recording and to have a place, um, in our tracks listings and all those sorts of things, our discography, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but (laughs) it feels so formal. Um, but it just didn't make sense to have it on what's coming out, um, later. We're, aiming for kind of late spring for the full length record. So, um, it's, it's getting there. It's one of those things. It's, I feel whenever people ask, because we do the recording and mixing in house, 
I feel like it's that much harder to say, oh yeah, it's almost done because it, nothing oh, yeah. is done. Nothing is ever done when, and until you've handed it, we do for, for this, we are going to have someone you know, else master them. But like until they are in that person's hands, it never feels like it's actually ready to go. Um, and so anytime people ask, I'm like, Spring, spring, sometimes spring. Sure, just, <laughs> just just say whatever because yeah. the, the likelihood that they're going to remember anyway oh, sure. doesn't fucking matter. They're not going to well, remember. You, and you have in Gray Walker too, but we we operate on essentially an, an infinite budget. That's really just the, the only limitations are the gear that we have. Yeah, and and my patience for wanting to mix and and record and re-record and whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, which is at this point is like, well, we're already five years in. So like if it takes another six months to do this and do it right, I would rather do it right than do it. We haven't, we, I think this is the, this is the first record. We, I think that we only scrapped one, one song. We scrapped Sludgehammer, like the original recording of it when we, but that was like really the beginning mm -hmm. of it. But usually we've been pretty good about, like we start the recording process and it's like we, we just, we take our time so much with the production the whole way through that. There's no second guessing it. It's just like, no, yeah. it's going to end up like this kind of thing. It's a pretty good plan. Yeah. I usually now have a pretty good feeling if something's going to work out or not pretty early on yeah. in the process. Yeah. Like <laughs> I've been trying to adopt this mentality, not even just with my music, but with anything in general, Mm -hmm. uh, it's not that I'm not a hardworking person, sure. but I have to, if I have to put like, if I have to like break my threshold to work on something, then it's probably not worth it. I feel like mm -hmm. writing songs and things like that, not that it's easy, but if it doesn't just happen in a way that feels sort of natural and I'm not like racking my brain over a part, right? you know, if it's a thing where it's like becoming like a huge issue, like this just isn't going anywhere because it's not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Well, part of what we, we did in coming up with just a lot of the ideas because Ben will just have riffs like you're, he's just always coming up with riffs <laughs> and saving them, you know, to our band Dropbox and we'll check them out. But we did a couple, I, I won't get too specific. We, we went away to a house in the country for a couple of long weekends and went out where My we could, house. we could, yeah. Yeah, we could crank up <laughs> the volume and not bother anybody. And for like three days straight, just workshop the riffs and ideas and start, hammering them into shape as songs. And then we come back from there. It's like, okay, we can pick each of these up now at our like practices going yeah. forward and turn them into songs. And I, we've probably come up with like 10 songs that way. Yeah. Just over the, the majority of the record. Yeah. Most of it is way, that yeah. way. And, yeah. uh, it, it is that sort of like dream. Like you see, like, you know, documentaries of bands, like in the studio, just <laughs> like, you know, in the residential yeah. like place doing that. And we did it. And, uh, it was a lot of work, but a lot of fun too. And I think the fun comes through the finished songs, like all the way to the end. Well, I so. feel like that's a nice part about having a drummer and you specifically as our drummer um, is that I feel like when we were starting with sampled drums, it was almost as though we would usually have, you know, just a stock drum beat, not stock, but just a simple drum beat to work with and then start to build. But it was almost a lot of the songs started small and then we, they'd start to develop what they were going to be and start to get a feeling and then, oh, okay, and then it could do this and then it could do that. Whereas going this way almost feels like doing that broad stroke, 
this feels awesome. Like this feels like a good song. Like the groove is there. Everything feels comfortable. And then details are what we nitpick for the next five months, you know, and that's what happens Before we were, we were sculpting little miniatures. (laughs) Now we're just like full on drunk Jackson Pollock. Paint at the wall. wall. Uh, And and then turning that into actual realism, you know, landscapes or what have you. One thing I learned from Ben too is that I write riffs on the drums and we've talked about this. It's like each song has a unique riff on the drums that is specific, you know, rudiments and beats, of course. But um, we also have talked about, like, for me and the drums, for a lot of our songs end up, I, I looked at like a side scrolling platform video game that when they're done, it's like, I've got to like beat the level and like <laughs> yeah. take, take each jump a specific way, hit this box, get the flower, you know, all that. And it's like, I've played the song well if I get through the level, complete it without like dying, basically. <laughs> So, so they're not loops. It's all yeah. linear. Yeah, it is very linear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Linear drum riffs. So, yeah, there's there's something that's really like that just feels kind of cold about playing with electronic drums live. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, I've been doing it with Sykes and a New Violence for a couple years now. We do have a live drummer now. We've got a live drummer okay. again. Um, we won't be playing any shows with him for a while until he's basically doing all the new material. He's learning all the new songs, Mm -hmm. but like just like even over the past few practices that we've had with him, just like how much extra life the songs have and just like, like, Oh, we can actually have real dynamics now. Right. Instead of like, you know, a PA getting louder and quieter. There's actually like feeling. Right. It's it's completely different. Definitely. Although I do joke that having had a robot drummer for 10 years as a bass player, our old songs, I know the moment that we are not doing something that yeah. we're supposed oh, to be sure. doing as a rhythm section. I might not be quite as on it with our newer things, yeah. but I know when we were learning all the old things, I was like, oh, I'm real sorry, but yeah. I, it's a metronome in yeah, my Joe body for now. Sure walks um, into a landmine. So- <laughs> uh-huh. It's like, nope, this is your your yeah, you get, two you, bpm off on this yeah you get really really <laughs> like we, used to that yeah. stuff yeah well, especially because it's unforgiving i mean you yeah. have to come if you miss something you just have to wait and come back mm-hmm. you know as you know but yeah, yeah it's so much nicer well, even some of the old songs i you, we kept some of the tracks yeah that i would play to and i never played the tracks before so you get a real lesson in how to be a human metronome mm-hmm. which is good i mean this like it's all good stuff you yeah. know so and then the other side is we're always just doing something that's slightly more difficult than we're comfortable with. <laughs> so in, in the same thing is like, we have all these songs that are real locked in this tempo. And then we have, there's like two or three songs of this new record that have these full on either free time sections or purposely drag in Russian sections. And that's just the feel of it. Like it works that way. And yeah. that's, that's how the song's written. <laughs> and so it's a whole other thing. Like you can't, you can't play to a click track, but you also, there's still parameters in that. Uh-huh. We have a, we have a song it's still just a working title death rock right now, but there's a section in the middle of it that, that takes another part of the song that was in time. And then it just like chops it up into this weird free time thing that we all just know what the pauses you are. You could do it. Yeah. Yeah. But like which, which you, actually is the thing we picked up from, from queen from doing bicycle race that, uh, dun, 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 dun. it's that weird, like, it's not in time. It's just like, nope, it's just everyone plays this rhythm uh-huh. generally in this, this time. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, that, that does happen. We've yeah. had several circumstances with Grey Walker songs where the grooves change in like very nuanced ways, but it's noticeable if you're trying to track to a click. It's like, oh, right. fuck, this is off. Like, you know, right, like, right. this yeah. part is like, 
you know, four BPM slower and has a more aggressive like swing on it mm-hmm. than the rest of the track and like trying to like, you know, map that out, you know, to the click so we could still like record it to a click is always like a little tricky, but we figure it out. Yeah. yeah. It's the process, but I do think part of the, the growing is we're all inclined to that. We're all curious people, but I think we also push each other to do that for sure. Um, so that is, even if we're all different personality types, I guess that is something we share is that uh, we all want to grow. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to be comfortable, I guess. <laughs> well, if you can't do something, all you got to do is use your Google device and you can learn how to do anything in 20 minutes or at least <laughs> get a video on it and uh-huh. then like, you know, get an idea. Right. I was, I just got gifted this, uh, crazy haze machine mm-hmm. and like, it's just like, it's full of dust and like, it's, it's a mess. And like, I was like, learn, <laughs> I was like watching videos on how to like take it apart and clean it properly and stuff yeah. today. Right. Oh yeah. YouTube saves the day. Yeah. yeah. I was just, uh, I just like last night watched a video, uh, some guy recorded with, with Steve Albini and, and recorded like recorded drums and just filmed every step of the process. And I know Steve Albini's process and stuff too, but just to watch something again where he breaks down his signal chain and everything is still really, and still stuff I hadn't thought of that he, you, there's, there's always some little nugget in there that other dude, um, Rick Beato too. I watch his videos like crazy. I don't know if you know. His, no, I don't know him. The everything music. He does those. What makes the song cool okay. videos. If you haven't seen any of those, mm. those are crazy. Cause he's, he's like a music teacher and has like really proper theory. So he like, bro- like I just sent Joe one of the videos. He, he broke down a couple of Nirvana songs. He's like, here's white Kirk Cobain. What he's doing is actually really complex. Like the melody is way more complex than what's happening mm-hmm. than you would think. Like it's not common and like, it's really interesting to just sure. see that perspective on things. It's like, you know, things, songs like, like songwriters like Kurt Cobain and that style of music and other genres of music that could on the surface seem simple, but right. it's not as simple. It's like, you know, getting like, you know, a, a plate of like homemade spaghetti and like eaten park spaghetti. Right. <laughs> you know, like it seems like simple things, but right. the, it's all the nuances in the sauce, baby. Like mm-hmm. you don't know what mm-hmm. went in that sauce. Sure. Oh, totally. It all seems like, you know, but mm-hmm. a lot of people, some people aren't going to taste the difference between the two. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, growing up as an, it's funny. You talked earlier about being like eighties, nineties kids. And I came of age kind of right at the point when like Nirvana ended and then you had all these bands that came out uh, in, the immediately wake, in the wake of that that were just kind of like rehashing Nirvana immediately. And for me, that was a real lesson. Like, they're just like very clearly ripping off Nirvana. I'm not going to mention names because, you know, oh, you yeah, might be fans of the bands. They're but, all listening, yeah. Yes, yeah. but I just, I for me. Puddle of mud. Uh. Bush. Exactly. Bush. Uh, that, was, that was also a wild spectrum. Yeah. But, anyway. but, but there's but like that kind of post grunge yeah. wave that happened. And I was like 14, 15 years old and sort of like learning about punk rock. And I immediately became this like cynical, like they don't have what Nirvana had and they want everybody to think that they do, but you can't replicate that. And that always stuck with me. That was actually very formative, like maybe somewhat healthy, like kind of seeing that, like as it, it was playing out in real time, um, and that's something I'm very conscious of. Like you can't just go rep, like you've got to do your own thing and you can pull from your influences, but um, you can't be a pale imitation. Like you say, homemade versus the Eden park spaghetti. Yeah. Same thing. It, it's, so. it's really hard. I've like battled myself 
for a long time when it comes to one influences too much and, you know, giving other people shit about it because like, you know, there could be people that genuinely from the bottom of their unoriginal lazy hearts <laughs> just want to be the next Bush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, that band exists. Yes. Right. And I, 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 you know, I, I fuck with your energy. That's fine. Like if you're into it, <laughs> no. that's cool. You know, the, the other thing I've come across, like, well, we, we've experienced it a lot on tour and then I have it with, occasionally running sound with bands or whatever is you also sometimes run into these bands, the kids that are super young that somehow arrive at this insane sound. And you're like, you sound like the Jesus lizard. Like, how do you, oh, and yeah. they're like, who's that? And they, they just arrived and at immediately that. pull out their phones and go to YouTube. Yeah. And yeah. They, they arrived the at it. They arrived at it. Like, like organically. I'm like, that's crazy. And it's, it's like, you know, like a, like a band, like there's a band from, uh, who aren't around anymore. They moved it to Portland, but, um, flash pats from, oh, yeah. from Dayton. Mm-hmm. These kids are like, so, like he, it was, is, uh, Brendan and then his little brother who was like super young. And I don't like, know. How, they were like 16. I don't know how he got, into, yeah. I don't know how he got his brother into blind bobs, but, um, <laughs> but they were just really aggressive, noisy stuff. And then like, their frame of reference was not anything I would have expected, but they were like hitting these posts and it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. And I had the same thing with, um, uh, in Pittsburgh, I had this band chillant, uh, which on paper sounds crazy, but it's, um, Orthodox Jews playing a sort of funk oriented blues music, but also, kind of plays like some Jewish standards and stuff. And the lead section is a like dirty Delta blues harmonica and a saxophone. (laughs) And they are incredible. They are so good. (laughs) Like, and they're, they're great dudes. But like I saw the sax player and the harmonica player and I was like, Oh, do you guys know like any Mark Sandman stuff? They're like, no, who I was like, dude, fucking morphine and, and treat right. Literally Mark Sandman bands that are fronted by a saxophone a harmonica and like got them so into it. And so the next time I ran sound for them, they were like, dude, I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I also feel like now you should sell merch or have pins that are just homemade spaghetti yeah like you are homemade or just put it in a, yeah or put in a diss track yeah i'm homemade spaghetti you're eating park trash <laughs> yeah i, I think <laughs> I, feel like being, I just see it like yeah. i just see like the yeah. hoodies now yeah. being, spaghetti. Uh, being a white rapper the word spaghetti can never come out yeah, of my mouth <laughs> <laughs> you are correct <laughs> Why? What happened? (laughs) (laughs) Just literally can't. And I also now hear a bunch of 16 year olds pulling out their phones and being like, why can't he say spaghetti? Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, Anyway. (laughs) With now you got an album that's going to be coming out maybe in maybe in the spring. Probably in the winter. Hold us to it, everyone. Hold us to it. Come up to me. Ask when it's coming. (laughs) Outside of music, though, you know, I know you run sound. You just finished grad school. You have your job. Is there any other creative things that we do outside of music? You had mentioned you do a lot of visual stuff, Maura, for the band. For us. And I'm I'm learning how to do more things. Um, We're getting more into like the video side of things. And also speaking of, I forget what we were talking about related to just the technology that exists out there, but 
I was learning more Photoshop things and realizing that an app I have on my phone that I got for free does all of these like very basic Photoshop things that I did not even realize that they, they were the same, you know, and I was like, technology is amazing. I've been doing all of these things, but with two fingers rather than five clicks on a mm-hmm. computer and all that stuff. So I don't know. I'm still a newbie at it, but I'm enjoying it a lot. And um, I work on our like stage stuff and merch stuff. I mean, a lot of it's collaborative. It's just I'll, I'll yeah. be the, the one who starts something and then we all come together to finish it or, or refine it and, you know, things like that. What about so, outside of action cam? Outside of action cam. Art-wise? Or anything. Uh, anything. Anything creative. <laughs> um, well, I so I got out of grad school and I, I have my first real job. And um, my dad likes to say, I won't go into like what my job is just in case. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know the rules um, about... It's whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> it's up to you. Well, I was going to say... The only that... rules. There is no rules. Right, right. Uh, well, the joke is that, um, I am an ideas woman for my job. Really. I do policy type work, but it's a lot of like creative problem solving. And it goes back to this whole, you know, talking communication, how to make things into a language that other people will understand from inside of my brain, externalized to another person. I do work in public health and social work fields. And so it's trying to take really, uh, unapproachable health related things and make them into a product that people will actually understand what they're getting or why they should care um, or trying to explain that to politicians. And that would be other field of people. So I know it's not uh, a conventional creative answer, but I, I really like that side of my job where it's like health communications, figuring out how to um, present something in a way that's yeah, yeah you can't you, know, you can't yeah. be a problem solver without tapping into your creativity pool right yeah so totally it's exciting to to have a job like that because i've definitely also had all kinds of random ass jobs uh prior to going back to school um from home depot to barista to doula to all sorts of stuff and so um i don't know now i now i have to wear nice clothes and go into an office and <laughs> Uh, do Neat. research. So, you yeah. know, it's cool. <laughs> what about you, Joe? Any creativity outside of Action Camp going on these days? Well, for January, I did the Fun A Day thing, which I don't know, explain what that is. It's art project where you sign up and you work on something every day for the month of January. And I've done it before. I've done this project before where I would try to write a song a day, which in years past, I would try to like write a whole song a day, which is really, really prohibitively difficult and really can have the opposite effect of making you feel good or make you feel bad. <laughs> I don't know. My time's the, up. My time is up. Um, no, what um, the fuck that is? Are we being kicked out? <laughs> no, I don't know what that is. But, uh, oh, someone's ringing your bell. Someone knocked on the door. Someone's yeah. knocking so. at the door. Yeah. What about this? Let him in. Live radio. <laughs> what? That hand delivered. Uh, hand delivered already opened. Already piece of mail. <laughs> <laughs> Arkham Realty. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. Okay. Anyways. 
Sorry about oh, that. Oh, so yeah. Trying so, to write a song right, every day. I, I did it before, and I, I came up with some ideas, a uh, couple of which have actually since ended up in Action Camp. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them is on the new record from years ago that I brought. Um, but this month, this past month, I did it again, except instead of saying I do a song a day, I do a piece of music a day, and I'll record it either on my four track or on my phone or something. And for Christmas, I got a ukulele, so that was like part of it. And I only started playing ukulele with Action Camp because I had to play it at the Death Dish show. So mm-hmm. one more thing, you know, the band has kind of taught me. Um, and I stuck to it, though, this last month. I wrote a piece of music every day, even when I had, you know, the cold. I was sick. I still did it. And uh, it just was really good. It felt like a, a really positive, healthy exercise. Because uh, this is a very dreary town this time of year. And it's very easy to sort of like spiral out. Uh, when it's raining or snowing and it's just no sun. So even like every night, you know, before I go to bed, even if it was late, I would just take the guitar or the ukulele or I'd go downstairs. I have an organ downstairs and I would just 90 seconds of something. And the thing is like after about 10 days, I started to come up with things. I'm like, I feel like this is actually good. And some of it may go to action camp. Some of it I might do something with later on, but uh, that's been a really positive experience. And in fact, the fun a day exhibit, they're having it in Wilkinsburg the same weekend as our, uh, Skillshare yeah. event. Ah. And I won't be there for that. I mean, I'll be there for a Skillshare event, of course. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of like 31 of those songs. I'm going to dub them on the cassette and just leave a stack of cassettes there for people to take if they want, if they want as a keepsake or if they actually play cassettes. Uh, Cause that also keeps it from like ruining it, like putting on band camp. It's there forever, mm. you know? So um, that's kind of my latest extracurricular musical non-action camp activity so you um, <laughs> well i think the last when i when i was previously on the podcast i told you i did like the scarehouse stuff right yeah so now the most recent thing is scarehouse we got a space in the strip uh on like Penn Ave next to the at&t store and they they kind of moved there there was some some delays from the halloween stuff but they moved the basement over there which is the full contact you need a safe word thing. So I did that. And then there's two escape rooms and I did audio for those. And there's one that I, I just kind of wrapped the other day, uh, called database. Um, I think, I think the info's out there for it already, hopefully. Um, but it's this, uh, it, it basically involved me. There's like an AI that talks to you and I had to record like hundreds of lines of dialogue with an actor. And it's all like, um, uh, scene specific to like when you do something, the the computer's constantly. Oh, okay. So I like just built essentially built an AI <laughs> with someone for for this like escape room thing. So that was like the most recent thing I did. That's and then fun. I, and then I have uh, some soundtrack stuff I'm doing in a little bit on a, our friend Joe Stammer John uh, has another film who who did our you know my name video years ago and some other st- and and shot the rearranged show as well with yep. us. So. Mm-hmm. Our our old videographer, uh, in house in house videographer, no, but yeah, but he he sends work to me occasionally. So yeah, cool. So we got that going on too. So we were talking about this one thing before we had started recording, and as we're wrapping up the conversation, closing things out, I feel like it may be ill minded of us to not bring up the closing of something in <laughs> Pittsburgh. That is uh, happening. Uh, mm-hmm. 
a venue that I know is reasonably, you're familiar with Howlers. You've probably played there one or 100 times, I imagine. Yes. I was trying to find our show list. I think I think we might have cracked 100. Like, no joke. Not, not <laughs> at Howlers. At Howlers. Oh, wow. Like, because we're, we're, they... we're about 600 shows in. Oh, geez. Yeah, right. He's, he's the historian. Yeah. I, it's, we did it. Uh, yeah. But, um, well, Howlers was the first venue we ever played in Pittsburgh, I believe, um, mm-hmm. because we started in Boston um, and came to Pittsburgh. I'm from Pittsburgh uh, originally. And so we came, you know, to see my family or just get away. And, and we played at Howlers. And then once we moved, Howlers was definitely the main spot that we played for a long time. And um, we've, I guess we've gotten to witness its evolution in, in a sense. Um, I mean, it existed as a music venue prior to us, but again, that's 14 years ago now um, that we were playing there. So or yeah. around thereabouts. And when I moved here in, what was it? November, mm-hmm. October, October, 2010, something like that. It's before that. Nine, 2009. Yeah. Um, uh, that was my like first job when I came here too. So I ran sound there because I had already knew Mary Jo from, from us playing shows there and just asked on a whim. And they, at that point they hadn't really had a sound guy or they sort of did. They just had people that sort of knew how to run sound. So I was like <laughs> the first real sound guy that they had and did, did that for like five years. And I, I did, uh, I eventually I was recording every single set for like that amount of time literally every single set. So I have this archive of like 1500 something sets from like 2009 to 2012 or something like that. Yeah. That I'm sure I'm going to get asked about a bunch now, even though, (laughs) even even, even though like six months ago I like pulled those DVDs out and like posted that list. I was like, Hey, if you're in any of these bands and want these, let me know. Cause like, I don't like, I'm not going to put it all in our Dropbox or whatever. Cause Mm, it's like, mm -hmm. cause it is like eight DVDs worth of, of mp3 files or whatever but um but yeah first ever tribute fest first ever tribute fest show was, there. was there yeah um well and i broke up a fight between manny and a dude there <laughs> and i got i got to i got to i feel like there's so many stories i got like to that, I, that center there it was too. like oh, the yeah. most it was like the most uh aggressive i think i've ever been where it was a two-man gentleman band show this is like my fond what a what a weird combo i, I know items, the two-man I gentleman band i don't know if you know them they're pretty fantastic um kind of ragtimey old timey but like very very blue humor as well and so I, I had known those guys. And so that particular night I wore a three piece suit as well as they do just cause I, it was fun. Like people dress up for their shows and then the some guy, some fight. guy did something with Manny and, and oh, Manny, Manny, God. Manny spit in his face. <laughs> and then the guy proceeded to punch Manny and it was on the little, um, uh, the little drop off between the two rooms. So the guy was standing there and I was like right behind yeah. him and I grabbed the guy around the neck and like lifted him up. It was like very, it felt very James Bondy that oh, I was like sure. in Hell a yeah. suit and like jacking <laughs> this dude up. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. So on a happier note, that yeah. is where you asked me to join the band. It was at, it was at Hollers. Was it really? Yeah. Oh. You proposed to you pro- Yeah, you did. There? Oh. Cause I was saying to you, I was like, well, if you ever, cause we'd done the queen thing. I was like, well, if yeah. you ever want a drummer for some things. Yeah. And you're like, actually, yeah. Would you like to be in the band? Which by the way, is the right way to approach a duo about joining them. Yeah. Is, rather than being like, you know, what would be great yeah. is if you had drums. Yeah. Uh, when it's more the, if you ever yeah. want drums for yeah. something, 
that is the way yeah. to yeah. ask because we've had plenty of people yeah. be like, I really liked you. I'd like you even more with drums. Yeah. <laughs> or I liked you guys. I'd like you guys if I was your drummer. Yeah, like, pretty cool. much. I'd like you even more. Yeah. yeah. So no, that's the way to do it. Um, just for anyone who's curious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's I, I definitely remember like, we were sitting at the bar and I was just like, if you ever want a drummer, I actually was like, oh, sure. I'm in five bands now. Why not? You know, so yeah. and I whittled <laughs> and down. And they and all whittled away and to one, which is us. also how you ended up in St. Dude. Or I think St. Dude, because Josh had left and I moved to guitar and we, we want to do one show. And I was like, Hey, can you learn these like couple of songs I was like, all right. or whatever? And you're like, fine. I'm already in like five bands. Uh, learned it. And then we were done and you're like, man, this is so much fun. Like, I wish you could be in this band. And we're like, just be in the band. That's <laughs> 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 literally like, No one is stopping Check. you. <laughs> I'm yeah, also curious about life. where I'm sure it's unique to everyone, but like, where is the tipping point of, oh, I'm already in two bands. I don't know if I should do something. Well, I'm already in five bands. So like, fuck it. Yeah. Like, let's do whatever. Cause you're like, where, years. where is this line? I was like working a job where I had like horrible hours and I could, and I was in uh, another band at the time and I would like, and you would be, be running sound. You know this. I'd have to leave right after the show and go to work at three in the morning. Yeah. And uh, once I got a job that was like a regular nine to five working from home, it was like, oh, I'll be in like 10 bands. It'll be great. <laughs> and it wasn't great after not very long. So mm-hmm. I'm just down to, I'll say one and a half because yeah. the other bands just kind of like whenever we feel like it. But Saint, uh, Saint Dude knows it's it's place that as secondary to action camp and or just everyone in Saint Dude, everyone, everyone's schedule it's like, hey, if we're all free, like it's a lot of it's a lot of text. It's like just that. hanging out. It's really just hanging out. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm a Hollers. It was a good place. I, I, yeah, that's where we started with. Yeah. yeah, I'm a no. little I'm a little too like inside baseball with it to like truly miss it. But it's it 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 was a valuable thing, and it's not like it's like completely going away. But like, if Mary Jo is actually retiring, like. Mary Jo was a very like vital lifeline in, in the music scene mm-hmm. or is a vital lifeline in the music scene. So, well, and I, I think one thing that I, I wish that there was more of that Howler's very much cultivated was bands of every level of experience had the opportunity to be there and, you know, every level of experience, every, uh, level of resources, because you had flexibility about the door, you had flexibility about, you know, they're not asking you for $200 right off the bat, just to be there. Um, and it's a welcoming space where people aren't pushing you. There's, there's not someone at the door, like, you know, you have five minutes to do X, Y, Z. And, there are plenty of venues that probably fall into that category that I still like and enjoy, but you need sort of that balance in order to really allow bands to grow. And I don't think that a band properly grows until they get to play out until they get to make mistakes and not have that be what torpedoes them from there on out. Because we've talked about how it's a fragile dynamic, um, especially in the earliest of days and playing a really terrible show and then having the venue itself be terrible or want money from you that you don't have or whatever, you know, things that can happen again, that aren't universal, but can happen that Howlers just did not do, you know, Howlers was much more of a just generally supportive atmosphere for things I think has really helped a lot of bands to find their footing. And I don't, I don't know. Um, so that's something that 
I, I can't think of a lot of venues that provide kind of that overall feeling for people. And it's desperately the thing, needed. The thing that I like about howlers and I'm going to use aggressive terminology, but I mean it in the best way. <laughs> sure. Howlers was like, like the shithole bar venue that you play in the middle of nowhere on tour. That's awesome. Right. But in the middle of the city, mm-hmm. instead of being in the middle of nowhere. Oh yeah. 100%. You know? Like yeah. 100%. Like there's a lot of places that, um, we've played where like, I think of like, there's a place outside of Buffalo called the rock in Buffalo. And it reminds me a lot of howlers mm. and, but there's nothing around the rock in Buffalo. It's just like, you know, sure. off the interstate. And then there's like, you know, like, I don't know, like some like furniture thing. And then like some right. weird restaurant that nobody goes, then the, right. that's it. it's not like in the middle of yeah. like, the the main city, like how Wasn't Howlers that, was. I, now I'm blanking on the name of it, but that place up in Wausau, Wisconsin that we played too. Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, but yeah. But super, super random bar in like uh, some midway between Chicago and Milwaukee, like kind of middle of nowhere in Wisconsin. And we showed up and loaded in and like tiny back room, very much like Howlers and whatever. And like no one's there. And then like 10 o'clock, literally like 300 people show up and fill the place because it was like everyone's like local bar. Like what happened? And it yeah. was like, and like one of the, the bands who uh, our, our buddy Jason, who we're now like friends with, like his band showed up. And he's like, hey, I made these sandwiches at home. If you guys want like brought sandwiches. <laughs> and we, stand, awesome. we stayed at his house. Which is also yeah. a classic Howlers thing. I can't yeah. count the number of shows I've gone yeah. to where people are like, I just brought food. You want yeah. food? Yeah. Like, Mary Jo makes your birthday cake. Yeah. Or you Mary Jo will yeah. do that. And then like yeah. I've hosted things where I think for your birthday, I made finger sandwiches for yeah. no real reason other yeah. than just to have sandwiches. Probably some part of my brain remembered Wisconsin. I was like, that was really cool. Let's have yeah. sandwiches. Um, but, you know, like that's also nice. That's something about... I feel like that's a classic Pittsburgh bar thing. Like when I was in college, I would bring a boyfriend home for winter break or what have you. And we'd go to a random bar and they just have halushki in the corner in someone's random crock pot and like all these, you know, or whatever other random things there. And they would just be like, where are we? You know, what is that? And I was like, Oh, that, I, I guess that that doesn't happen in Boston so much, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> that and the fact that drinks are like, three dollars mind blowing for people who aren't from this area. And of course all of that changes, but that's another layer for sure of howlers as well was like, you could make it kind of your clubhouse could make it sure, an Island that. in the middle of the city, you know, like, yeah, a, had like, like a said. small town yeah. feel in the city. Yeah. Maintained that. Yeah. The one thing though, like, Cause I found out like on Saturday and of course, like a lot of people said the same thing. I feel like it kicked in the gut when they heard the news. Cause I mean, Howler's has always been, you don't want to take something for granted, but I thought back and I posted this on the internet. So if anybody's like, you told that story, Joe, shut up. But, um, <laughs> Alice bag, uh, played at Howler's for lady fest a few years back. And she's a legend, a Los Angeles punk rock legend come all the way from LA to play at Howlers, which that was awesome. And she played a great set, played like so much stuff of her new record, played some like the old like bag stuff from like the seventies and eighties. And she's at the merch table. And I was just like, Oh, you know, thanks for coming here to play Pittsburgh. Thanks for playing Howlers. You know, this is like our home base for so many of us. It's like, you know, a lot of band folks are here tonight and this is like one of the places we can always play. And she was like, so nice. And she said, that's great. But always remember it's not the place, it's the people. And 
I was like, well, yeah, that's true because, you know, there's a lot of like legendary LA venues, like the mask or whatever. They were just there for months. And she was in that LA punk scene that would like move from venue to venue, the whiskey, wherever they could play. Um, but now I'm like thinking like, well, like Alice Bag was saying, you know, it's not the place, it's the people. And at this point it's up to everybody not to be too like on a soapbox here, but it's up to everybody from the bands to like the patrons and the, and the music fans audience to not take the venues that we have for granted and to like, you know, if you're on the fence about going to that show, go to that show. And if you're in the mood to be hospitable and take cookies to a show, do that. <laughs> um, because you can do that just about any other venue. I think, um, most places, most places. So <laughs> it, it's, it's like kind of take what is it hollers and just kind of keep doing it in other places, even though we are losing a valuable space, a valuable stage, uh, where it is in its location. Um, but there's no reason that the sort of spirit of it has to stop if anybody, you know, knows what it was like. And I think that's what she was talking about. And the, I really felt terrible when I heard. So I remembered that and it was like sort of a, a comfort to remember, you know, hearing that from somebody who'd really, played all kinds of places. So yeah, totally. that's kind of where I'm leaving it. Yeah. So Yeah, no, I think that's a great way. So that's a great thought to have about that. <laughs> and it's a great way to end this conversation, sure. my friends. So before we wrap things up, who wants to take the fun millennial approach on letting people know where they can find you on social media, <laughs> let people know what your TikToks, your Snapchats, oh, Oh. Do the whole event. That's what I was. I was low key opening up the info for the event. If you need to remember the list, and now you're telling everyone yeah. what you did on the low key. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you can find us on the interwebs on the social medias uh, on Facebook. Just Action Camp PGH, I believe. Um, yeah, or just and, Action. We have well, you can we have pretty, we have pretty solid SEO. If you search Action Camp, <laughs> there's like stuff that's way more valuable. Action uh, Camps, it's but, basically, but we, we've shoved them down uh-huh. on Google results. Like it's basically us and then a whole a bunch of page, adventure yeah. camps. Yeah, uh, like you know, learning how to do dirt biking and and also they seem religious percentage of the time and in the Philippines, a percentage of the time for some reason. Uh, but look for the music action camp and that will be us. Um, we are also on Instagram action camp, one word. Uh, and then the event on the 29th, which Ben has handed to me, um, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to have folks, we're going to have, Allison and Trevor are going to be talking about being ready for media coverage. We have Jamie coming out to talk about lighting and tech. Kaivos with MIDI and electronic instrumentation. Sykes over here, podcasting and promotion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Weird Paul to talk about social media. And again, we need you to come because it's not just about uh, those of us that have some level of expertise, but it's also about sharing all varieties of experiences so that we can all learn from each other and we'll have food and we'll chill out and it'll be this nice casual atmosphere that we've all been um, happy about. So that'll be, and it's free in the afternoon, um, one five on the 29th at the smiling moose. Um, and you can find the event on Facebook. You can find parking. You can, you can leave the right. south side before drunk people show up. Yeah. We, th- we thought of everything. We did think about it. <laughs> um, and yeah, come ready to talk about your band 
because um, yeah. we want to hear about it. And if you want to, if you want to have, I'm having a, a workshop on how to get drunk afterwards. <laughs> if you want to hang out with me yeah, downstairs. I'm looking forward to I'm, I'm going to support you. Only because I've, I've recently listened. I got caught up on some of your episodes here. I'll help you with some like gotcha journalism to get Weird Paul on your podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got, yeah. We got yes. him in a room. We're like, well, like, that, that's the, it's <laughs> funny because I think I had told you whenever I saw the event, every single other person has been on the show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, besides nice. Weird Paul. But yeah. I've, I've talked to Weird Paul through Messenger and have been trying to set, I, I was trying to set it up for a while and communicating with him was just yeah. a little difficult. I just yeah. don't think he was like super into it at the time, but things could be different. I will now. say I think you you wouldn't be able to get uh Manny and Sean show together, which is I think what you refer to in Fuck Yeah Dinosaurs. Oh uh, I, I, I yeah well those are the so the three you people that, that I said no but I'm yeah I will say you on this. I bet you could get Manny and Weird Paul together. Because they are friends. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's a solid... Their dynamic, because they were a band for yeah. a long time. That's a solid dynamic you should look into. Yeah, no, I would just want <laughs> I would just want Weird Paul on the show. At this point, I don't yeah. want Manny on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against Manny. Like, I... Uh, it, it's like... A, it, he's not watching this. But if yeah. he was, he knows it. I've, I, I've, I've done him several solids with the podcast. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> But outside of that, I, it doesn't matter. If yeah. you don't want to be here, I don't want you right. to be here. So, oh, yeah. Do, yeah. yeah. So, anyway. But uh, Sean show, I am going to get one day. I'm going to strangle <laughs> that motherfucker and get him in here. Uh, but uh, and then, uh, yeah, I would love to get word Paul on the show. So I'm going to yeah. I'm going to talk to him yeah. at the event. That's that's the plan. Be like, hey, yeah, I do this. Podcast. I think if you talk to him in person, he'll like we we hang out with him once in a while. And he's yeah, if you talk to him in person. He'll yeah. He's a little guarded, but I think he'll, he's friendly. He'll, I like that all of this is for everyone to hear. I know. Um, anyway, cut it out. <laughs> hey, what's the, what's the name of our new single? We didn't say that yet. Oh, the name of our new Thanks. single is Dissonance. Um, and, uh, I'm excited about it. It actually talks about, we'll talk about this at the Skillshare, but, you know, it actually covers a lot of things we talked about tonight in terms of, you know, um, kind of the need for communication, the need for, uh, making things fresh for yourself really uh that's a lot of what dissonance is about so you'll hear it on the 29th we'll talk about it sounds like good listen to it over and <laughs> yeah, over again i think it's yeah. yes, it's great <laughs> hell yeah and that is all folks thanks so much for listening one more time bang tomorrow joe action camp whoop whoop Thanks for being here. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2020. Whoop, whoop. Thanks for listening. And we are done. Hit me with the horn. Give me the horn. I don't have a horn. The You did it before. The, the uh, Price is Right. The Price is Right horn. Oh. Ba, 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 My favorite drop of all time. <laughs> Wait. Why is this fucking touchscreen work? <laughs> oh, no. Huh. That's interesting. Oh, I bet you I know what it is. It doesn't let you do it. It doesn't let you do it when a sound's playing. Ah. Perfect opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) And we're done. We'll do the TV freeze.